Good evening. Make sure y'all pray for the ladies. They're going away this weekend. And uh, pray that they come back on fire for Jesus, first of all, and renewed in their w w relationships with Jesus Christ. And so let's look to the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are, Lord. You are perfect, Lord. You are immutable, Lord. You change not. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we love you for that, Lord. You are a steady hand, Lord, that we can trust in, that we can believe in, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, um, speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. We need a, a fresh filling, Lord. We need something, Lord, in our hearts and something new, Lord, that replenishes this, this emptiness that comes, Lord, as we walk through this dusty world. And so, Father, I pray, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the things of Christ, Lord, the things that are eternal, the things that have, Lord, um, value to you, Lord. And, Lord, I pray for our nation, Lord, pray for those in authority, pray for our president, pray for those that run this state, the governor, Lord, the, the mayor of the city, Lord, the council people that have to make decisions for our lives. Lord, we pray for them, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, you would keep us in the hour we live in, Lord. And we know you love us and we love you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us into 2 Kings chapter 14 and 15. And we have come to the place where Elijah, the prophet, is off the scene and um, Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured, you know, from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the, the son of Haziel, the cities which had, he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father by war. You know, three times, just like Elijah said, in verse 19 of the last chapter 13, and I'm sure he's thinking that he wished he would have banged that, those arrows down to the ground more than the three times. Josh defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. So during this time in history, between Israel in the north and Judah in the south, <clears throat> they're expanding their territory again. God is starting to do something again. However, we will also see that God is raising up his prophets. And we'll be, it'll blow your mind when you read these next two chapters about the prophets that's all around all of this, you know, this particular time in history that these prophets that God raised up. And it was for his people to be directed into a direction and to the place of repentance. When God raised up a prophet in a nation, it was for that nation to look at its sin condition, recognize that sin was what separated them from God, and because sin separated them from God, that God loved them so much he was trying to draw them back to himself. And he would turn them around. You know, there's a verse in the Bible I think everybody should memorize. It's Lamentations chapter 5, verse 21. They didn't even know how to turn around. God turned them back to him. But you have to have a willing heart. A willing heart. But that won't change the hearts of these people. Even after them hearing prophets, they'll go steeper and deeper in sin. Isn't that interesting? 
You know, you hear a message every Sunday at church. Oh, the Lord's going to change me. And you go deeper and deeper to your own condition. And before you know it, you don't even recognize truth anymore. It becomes numb to you. And your conscience becomes seared. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 14, it says, In the second year of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, this is the northern kingdom, Amaziah, which is in the southern kingdom. So there's two different kings here. Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, that's the king of the north. Amaziah, <clears throat> king of the south. Amaziah means Jehovah is mighty. The son of Joash, so his father name was Joash. The king in the north name is Joash, so they're not the same person. King of Judah became king. He, meaning Amaziah, was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 29 years in Jerusalem. So you know they're talking about the southern kingdom. His mother's name was Jehoaddan. You know, through it's interesting, like in, in 1 Kings, at least on five occasions or four occasions, it would give you the, the mother of the king. You know, it's interesting. It was, this is the king's mother. Could it be that the mother of these different kings had some influence on their kingdom, on their kingship, on the way they thought, on the way they made decisions? You know, First Kings, you know, First Kings eleven twenty six, First Kings fourteen twenty one, fourteen thirty one, First Kings fifteen, you know, two, First Kings twenty two verse forty two. I think I remember that right. And all through 2 Kings, at least another 13 times, the king's mothers are mentioned. You know, I guess when they got mad at somebody, I'm going to get my mom or you, I don't know. But their moms are mentioned. Jehoaddon is our name, which means Jehovah gives the light. And he did what was right. We didn't see this in a long time. <laughs> and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Remember Joash, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But here it says, he did right in the sight of the Lord. That's never the testimony of the kings of the northern kingdom. Only the southern kingdom of Judah, the line where Christ would come from, at least seven or eight of these guys, it would say, did, good, did right in the sight of the Lord. This appears to be a good start for this king. He's not going to end up that well. But he did right in the sight of the Lord, yet not like his father, David. David? He said, what? Like his father, David. David slept with Bathsheba and had, you know, Uriah killed him a lot. He said, but David was a man of the God's own heart, even in the midst of all of his mess. Yet not like his father, David, did. Everything as his father, Joash, had done. However, the high places were not taken away, and the people still sacrificed <clears throat> and burnt incense on the high places. Now, the high places, when you read that in the Bible, pagan customs, is pagan customs, they believe that the, the higher you were, the closer you were to your God. How stupid is that? But that's what they believe. The higher you were, the closer you were to your God. Unlike a Christian, we realize that the lower we are, the closer we are to our God. 
You know, because James, when he says, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Paul wrote the church in Rome. Paul says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. For us, it's like, no, the low places are prostrated down before the Lord and broken, contrite hearts. That's where the Lord meets us at. But here for the pagan world, the world that don't know God, everything has to be up high. Y'all know what I'm saying? Bling, bling, and all the things that's up in the air. And it says, now it happened. As soon as the kingdom was established in his hand, this is Amaziah, that he executed, notice, his servants, and this is in keeping with the law here, who had murdered his father. His father was Joash, the king. So they slew his father in the house of Milo, you know, in um, 2 Kings chapter 12, verse 20, they killed his dad. He said, all right, well, they, the guys who killed my dad, I'm gonna execute judgment to the guys who killed my dad because it was not manslaughter, it was premeditated murder. And premeditated murder was capital punishment by stone and by, by death. And he says, but the children of the murderers, the guys that killed his father, their kids, he did not execute according to what is written in the book of the law of Moses, in which the Lord commanded, saying, now, now it's written in Deuteronomy 24, 16, fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers, but a person shall be put to death for his own sins, <clears throat> for his own sins. Now, some of y'all have been at churches when they taught this, generational curses. Let me tell you how unbiblical that is. When you read Jeremiah 31, not even Ezekiel, Ezekiel, we'll get to that. Ezekiel 18, 20, and so forth. Jeremiah 31, verse 29, Jeremiah says, in those days, he says, in those days, they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge, but everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man who eats the sour grapes, his teeth shall be set on edge. He's saying that, look, if your father was a drunk, that don't mean you're gonna be a drunk. More is caught than taught. If that's the only behavior you saw around you, you may end up that way. That's not a curse. Ezekiel says the same thing as well. Ezekiel 18.20 says, he says that the soul who sins shall die. The son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. So a father shall not be put to death for their children's sins, and a child will not be put to death for their father's sins. Isn't that interesting? So this destroys that bad teaching, the ideology that goes on in many churches across the, uh, across the whole world. In regards to ancestral sin, that, that, that generational curses, it's almost like, you know, if my mother's a drunk, that means I'm going to be cursed with drunkenness. That's just nonsense. Just nonsense. Galatians tells us Christ became cursed for us. 
He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's Christ. So don't walk around because you got some kind of behavior, some habit. Well, this must be part of the curse. No, if you're a believer, you know, he's freed us from the curse of sin. So Amaziah did not pervert justice in this particular portion of the word of God, but fulfilled what, what, which was right in the sight of the Lord. This righteous king, while, you know, while he's starting to reign, he has a good beginning, you know, in this sense, you know. He killed, it says, he killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah, which is not the rock city, which is the rock city is also called Petra. Selah means rock. This was the capital city of Edom, located between the Dead Sea and the Gulf, you know, and is also mentioned in Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah 16.1. He says that, and took Selah by war and called its name Jachdiel, which means subdued by God, to this day. You know, when you read um, 2 Chronicles 25, you don't have to turn to this, but I'm going to read something for you because I think it's worth our salt, since he's near the salt. I think this is interesting what it says in 2nd Chronicles. Matter of fact, let's turn to it together. 2nd Chronicles 25. Just hold your place in 2nd Kings 14. But let's look at Chronicles, you know, 2nd Chronicles chapter 25. Because you can tie all this in together the right way. And so you can get say, well, wow, this is amazing. In 2nd Chronicles 25 verse 5, it says, moreover... Amaziah gathered Judah together and set over them captains of thousands and captains of hundreds, according to their fathers' houses throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them to be 3,000 choice men able to go to war who could handle spear and shield. He also hired, you know, this word hired, so their loyalty may be a little questionable to me. He hired 100,000 mighty men of valor from Israel, this is the north, for 100, for 100 talents of silver. But a man of God came to him. He comes to Amaziah, this man of God, this unknown man of God, this unknown prophet in verse 7, comes to him, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel. Not with any of the children of Ephraim, which was another name for the northern kingdom. But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God shall make you fall before the enemy. For God has power to help and to overthrow. I like that. Then Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do about the hundred talents which I've given to the troops of Israel. And the man of God answered, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. This man of God is saying, is, is, is saying, you know, tell them to keep the money. Verse 10, so Amaziah discharged the troops that had come to him from Ephraim to go back home. Therefore, their anger was greatly aroused against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Then Amaziah strengthened himself. And leading his people, he went to the valley of Salt and killed 10,000 of the people of Seir. Seir is another name for the descendants of Esau, right? You know, the Edomites, also the children of Judah, took captive 10,000 alive, brought them to the top of the rock, and cast them down from the top of the rock. Imagine getting thrown off the cliff. So that they were all dashed in pieces. You're going to know, you know. But as for the soldiers of the army which Amaziah had discharged... 
so that they would not go from the battle, they raided the cities of Judah from Samaria to Beth Horon, killed 3,000 in them and took much spoils. So, and he was hiring these guys. He should have, you knew you couldn't trust these guys. So you, now look at verse 14. Now so it was after Amaziah came from the slaughter of the Edomites that he brought the gods, notice, of the people of Seir, set them up to be his gods and bowed down before them. Now God just gave them victory, right? And burnt incense to them. Therefore the anger of the Lord was aroused against Amaziah and he sent him a prophet who said to him, why have you sought the gods of the people which could not rescue their own people from your hand? So it was as he talked with him, this man of God, that the king said to him, have we made you the king's counselor? Cease. Why should you be killed? Then the prophet ceased and said, I know that God has determined to destroy you because you have done this and have not heeded my advice. The word of the living God. God sent this prophet to him to say, what are you doing worshiping gods that you just had victory over? Some things we have victory over in our life, we go back and worship it. This makes the story a lot different. So turn back to, you know, 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 8, where it says, Then Amaziah sent messengers to Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us face one another in battle. Not even to fight against Israel. He calls them out Israel for a fight. An unnecessary battle, too. And Joash, king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent the cedar that was in Lebanon. Now, now we know that a thistle is in no comparison to the, le- the cedars of Lebanon. <laughs> we, we know that just like the army of Judah, he's saying, was in no way in comparison to the nation of Israel at this particular time in history because the army of Israel was like a beast, you know, steeping on a thistle, meaning Judah would be this thistle. He says the thistle was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon saying, give your daughter to my son as wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. You have indeed defeated Edom. He's telling Amaziah, look, you defeated Edom. Yeah, okay. And your heart, notice, has lifted. You know, we get the space, NASA from the Hebrew word NASA in the Hebrew. It means to bear up, to be exalted. This is all pride. He says, look, I beat Edom. Now I'm ready to fight Israel too, you know, the southern kingdom. You have indeed defeated Edom and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in that and stay at home. For why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall, you and Judah with you? Sometimes when we can win a battle with God, somehow we come to the conclusion that the nation we face, we don't need God. Some battles we have, we're on our knees praying, Lord, give me victory, Lord, give me victory, Lord, help me, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it, Lord, oh, God, I don't, the doctor called me and said this thing. Look, you know some of the fervent prayers that we have when we think everything is wrong? Some of those fervent prayers we should have when everything is right. 
The effectual fervent prayer, on-target prayer, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. It didn't say circumstantially that you prayed those prayers because Elijah was a man with the same nature as we were, and he prayed that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for, you know, three years and six months and all that. And we should pray fervently when nothing is wrong. You know what we have the propensity to do? When everything is wrong, that's when our prayer is getting more. You, you, you know how you get on your knees when something's wrong? 911 Christians, God, help us now. Could you imagine if God was in heaven? If you didn't pray for me in a week, please push one. Please hold, I'll sing you somebody else. <laughs> imagine if God, well, he's not like that. We can think of ourselves as being battle trained, but we are never in a place where we don't need the Lord. I don't think it's nothing I do that I don't really pray about. Because I really know, like, I'm an idiot. I'll probably make a decision that I think is right because I'm a thinker. So I always think I'm in trouble. It doesn't matter what happened. I always think I'm in trouble. I'm like, Lord, Look, I look. I thought I thought this through. I thought I asked you. I don't. I'm not sure. Before I make this, Lord, should I do this, Lord? You know. I, I mean, me personally. I'm not saying anybody in this room. I'm like a thinker like that. I'm like, Lord, is this really you? Not doubting you, but I really don't want to be doing something that you didn't want me to do. And I think so many people they get to a place where they say, I got it. I've been in church all my life, and you know, I know this, and I know that you be there if you want to, lest you fall. You will fall. You will fall if you think that you don't need to pray or if you don't need to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll do this and go there or do that. You will fall every time. The person that's familiar with God in prayer, when hard times come, they're normal. Hard times are not a crisis because you're praying like it's a crisis when it's not a crisis. Y'all get, get that? And here, this Amaziah think he's something now. But Amaziah would not heed, it says in verse 11. Therefore, Joash, king of Israel, went out. So he and Amaziah, king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Joash, king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. And he went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim. Now, this is the north, northern corner. This was the weakest boundary of Israel. To the corner gate, 400 cubits. You can figure out 400 cubits. You times that by 18 divided by 12. You can figure out how much feet that is. And he took all the gold and silver, all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and hostages. This is including King Amaziah. And returned to Samaria. Now the rest of the acts of Joash... You can say Jehoash, but I'm just saying Jehoash, same name, which he did, his might and how he fought with Amaziah, king of Judah. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then Jeroboam, his son, reigned in his place. This is Jeroboam the second. 
And Amaziah, the king of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, king of Israel. So apparently he was in hostage for 15 years and he was released from hostage. His pride led him to being in hostage. You know, look, pride always puts us in hostage. Did you know that? You know that? Praise always keeps one, you know, out of it. You know, he's honoring God, but somebody that's always prideful, they're always in some kind of bondage. They're always in bondage. Always. It says, now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? And we know that we just saw that in um, Second Chronicles. And they are formed, and they, and they formed a conspiracy against him, Amaziah, in Jerusalem, in First Chronicles 25, rather, and he fled to Lachish, but they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. You know, after he got out of it, you know, they killed him. Then they brought him on horses, and he was, this is the guy that started off good, Amaziah. Isn't that interesting? How we can start off so good, he gets killed because he get into a battle. He had no business getting into the battle. I beat the Edomites, man, next, next, you know, you know somebody get real, get, they get real high-minded. Man, we just built this one building. We're going to build 50 now. Sometimes be happy with the one. Bigger is not always better. We think bigger is better. Bigger is not better. Depends on what God's, you know, give you the stewardship over. You know, bigger is not better for the person who shouldn't be steward over something that's bigger. And he shouldn't have been the one saying, let's go to battle. And he dies, he gets killed, and they killed, they killed him. They bring him on horses, and he was buried at Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Azariah, it's a different king here, Azariah, notice, who was 16 years old, made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. Now, Azariah and Amaziah, see how they look almost alike? Two different people. Amaziah uh, is gone, and here, Azariah is Uzziah. That's the same person. Azariah and Uzziah is the same person. So when you see this A-Z-A-R-I-A-H, this is the same person when it says Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. This is that king right here is who's going to reign after his father Amaziah. He built Eleth and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers Notice here, in the 15th year of Amaziah, now keep in mind at this point Amaziah is dead, but the writer is jumping back to show, to show us what was going on. The son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, this is Jeroboam II, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became, came, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. So God also raised up other prophets during this time. And the condition of the people's heart was bent on sin and whoring after the other gods. God raised up other prophets. If you read the book of Hosea, if you read Hosea chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. You don't have to turn to this. 
It says, the word of the Lord came to Hosea, the son of Berai, in the days of Uzziah, that's Ezariah, Ezariah, Jothan, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Jeash, Joash, king of Israel. So on this scene of this time in history, Hosea comes up. And you know the story about Hosea and Gomer and you know how Israel, you know, was prostituting itself. Hosea comes on the scene during this particular time. Hosea had a very long ministry. Told to marry a prostitute, you know, who who left him and gave and gave herself back to into prostitution. He had, you know, he had to pay to get her back for, you know, with silver and to illustrate God's broken heart for his people, Israel. Hosea is an illustration book when you read the prophet Hosea. He almost said, well, why is it called the mind? The prophet is like 14 chapters. You know, Daniel only have 12. And it's a long book, but it's amazing that you read Hosea and you say, this was God's broken heart for his people. You imagine if you got a call in your life to listen, okay, you're going to marry a prostitute. We're like, Lord, no, I just, I'm just going to be disobedient. I'm not, no, I'm not doing it. God's broken heart for his people who've choice or chosen, they've they chosen a, another God in the place of Jehovah. So when this king Uzziah comes, or he's called uh, Azariah or Uzziah, the same person, when he comes on the scene, Israel is in steep sin. He's in the southern kingdom, but the northern kingdom has lost their natural mind. And I'm sure after Hosea, you know, experienced, you know, with his wife, he had a heart like God. When you read the book of Hosea, it should make you cry. He, God was working on this man's heart. He had the heart of God toward the nation of Israel by the time he gets finished his prophecy. And he went through all these different kings, Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, you know, Hezekiah, and, and so forth. He goes through all these different kings. And we also have Amos on the scene too. You have Amos on the scene too, because you're going to have Amos, you're going to have Hosea. If you read Amos chapter 1, verse 1, the word of the Lord, uh, the words of Amos, who was among the sheep herders of Tokia, which he saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. That's Ahaziah, same person. In the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. Whatever, it was a huge earthquake. This is interesting. God's raising up all these prophets, and they write books. You know about the book of Amos. You know about the book of Hosea. They write books. And he loved Israel. Isaiah is on the scene here. Hosea, Amos, we know Micah and Isaiah was contemporaries. Micah is on the scene. Jonah is in here. We'll see Jonah, and, and, and we'll see Jonah by name. All these prophets come on the scene during this period. It's like the nation of the United States of America. Nobody in America can say they never heard the truth about God's word. It's Christian radio, it's YouTube. We got all one of the most sophisticated technological, you know, civilizations in the whole entire history of the world. It's right in the United States, right down Silicon Valley, right down there when you go down there, San Jose and some of those places. Some of the greatest minds in the world is down there with technology. And some of that technology, God has given man the mind to make this technology so that the gospel could go forth. And that nobody will be without excuse. 
Nobody would never say, I've never known about Jesus. I've never heard of Jesus Christ. I've never heard of a Savior. Nobody will be without excuse. And here God is saying, none of you guys in all of Judah, all of the northern kingdom of Israel, you would be without excuse. I didn't have radio. I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have, you know, you know um, Facebook. I didn't have, you know, Periscope or Threads or whatever. I raised up prophets. And these prophets came on the scene when the nation was in sin, both the north and the south. And the south had some grace because some godly kings was raised out of it. Of course, you know, Uzziah, Jothan was pretty godly. Ahaz was wicked, but his son, um, Hezekiah, was a, a man after God's own heart. He, God raised up these men of God, but for the most part, he raised up prophets to speak the word of God. Look, when you come to church on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, you should all you should be saying is, amen, I read my Bible because I believe the prophetic word of God. That I'm reading my Bible and I love the Lord and I love his word because that's the only thing that will satisfy a man or woman's soul is the word of the living God. And God loved the nation of Israel. And it says in verse 24, and he, meaning Jeroboam II, did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that's the first Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel, which he had spoken through his servant notice, who's right here. Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet, who was from Gath, Hefer. You familiar with Jonah? This is the same Jonah in the book of Jonah. The same Jonah, Gath, Hefer, was a city in the territory of Zebulun, about three miles north of Nazareth. This is the same Jonah. This is with Jonah. He's the fleeing prophet from, you know, remember however God called him. He, he's enjoying ministry right here. Israel got some prosperity going on because they expanded territory to some degree under Jeroboam II. Although he did evil inside of the Lord, the Lord was still blessing him to some degree. Jonah, like some of us, we get in our comfort zone and church is like wonderful. And God said, oh God, I want you to go across the street. Not across the ocean. Just across the street and tell your neighbor about Jesus Christ. Why would I do that? Why would I want to know my neighbor? This is what Christians do today. Most Christians don't even know their neighbors. They don't even, if you say, well, what's your neighbor name down the street? Or anybody, you know anybody in this, in this place you live at? Or if you live in an apartment complex or wherever, do you know anybody there? Have you ever shared Christ with anybody in there? Why would I do that? Duh. Why wouldn't you do that? And here Jonah, remember Jonah? Jonah was one of those kind of people. He said, oh, let me, let me calculate this. I love ministry when I'm at church. Oh, I love this. But let's go on a corner down at Germantown and Shelton. See how many people show up to that. If you tell like, oh, you know, you come to church this Sunday, we paying off everybody's house and your car note. Everybody would be on time. Nobody would be late. Nobody would be late. If we said we're paying off everybody's car note, everybody would be, who would show up late? 
Y'all be, and this is the first 50, and somebody 51 and 50, they're going to be fighting like crazy. Get out of God, kill you, boy. You come, I'm going to kill you, boy. And here, you know, Jonah, this is raised up. Jonah would be sent away from this place of comfort to go to Nineveh. And Jonah lived in Gath-Hefer. He's going to take a fare to go down to Joppa, which is 60 miles away. Go to Joppa to get on a boat to go all the way to Tarshish, which was about 2,500 miles across the Mediterranean Sea. Jonah was willing to pay a fare to escape from God, like you can escape from God. He was willing to go 2,560 miles away from God. Jonah, the prophet, you know. He said, God closed on his fort. I don't want to no, make it a nonprofit ministry. I'm out. Jonah. This is that same Jonah right here. According to the word of the Lord God, which he has spoken through his, notice what he's called, his servant Jonah. He went to Joppa instead of going to Tarshish. And then went down to Tarshish trying to get away from the Lord call on his life. How many of y'all got a call on your life y'all been running from? And you make up all these excuses about, well, you know, it's the, it's the job I work on. It's this I'm into. And I, has nothing to do with a calling on your life. Nothing. Nothing. Well, I would do this, but you don't know what I got to give up. Good. Praise the Lord. You got to give up something. It's a cost. To follow Christ. It is the cost to follow Christ. Jesus speaks of Jonah. You know, when you read the New Testament, Jesus speaks of this Jonah and said, you know, while the crowds were thickly gathered together, this is Christ, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign. No sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. Jonah. Are you like Jonah? When God puts you in a difficult place, say, this can't be the Lord. I beg the difference. When you're in a difficult place, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Study the life of Paul. This is Jonah. God loved him so much, he raises up Jonah. He said, Jonah, this is the same Jonah, the son of Emmetiah. Emmetiah means truth. That's what his father name means. Jonah means dove. This is his father, yeah, Jonah. Verse 26, for the Lord saw the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bound, bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord did not say that he would blot out. Notice, underline this in your Bible. The Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven. This is never going to happen. But he saved them by the hand, notice, of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. God uses this evil king to preserve the nation. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, and how he recaptured for Israel from Damascus and Hamath, and which had belonged to Judah, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jeroboam rests with his fathers, the kings of Israel. Then Zechariah, his son, reigned in his place. Chapter 15, verse 1. In the 27th year of Jeroboam, king of Israel, notice, Ezariah, this is Uzziah, the son of Amaziah, king of Judah, became king. 
He was 16 years old. It goes back to this story. He was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned, notice, 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jacaliah. Jacaliah means Jehovah's able. Jacaliah of Jerusalem. They mentioned his mom's name here too. Pay attention, moms. You can raise godly kids. You can raise godly kids. The mother has another influence on the kid that the father don't have. You can teach your kids the Bible at a young age. You can teach them the word of God. You can teach them. I had my granddaughter with me last week. I was playing this song. On the, on the, she never even heard. She heard the song. But I'm playing this song right. And, and, I, and I looked at it. I looked back in the car. I said, Orger, do you like this song? She said, I said, you want me to play again? She said, I said, all right. So I play it, you know, we in there, and, and I play it again. She, and I stopped it, and she's like, Papa. And she, she, and I played it again. I was like, all right, she liked this song. Then I stopped it for like a fourth time. We were right. She said, ah, Papa, play. And she wanted me to play. I played it again. Then the fifth time, she said, ah, Jessly. She started singing. I'm like, oh, man, all right. These kids learn stuff like that. Jacaliah, maybe she was a godly mother because she raised a godly son. She's a widow, remember? Her husband is dead. And even being a single mom, you can raise godly offspring. So don't ever think God can't use you. And it says in verse 3, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father and Messiah had done. We saw that early in chapter 4. 14 verse 3, except that the high places were not removed, the people still sacrificed and burnt incense on the high places. Then the Lord struck the king, and this is interesting, this is Uzziah, so that he was a leper until the days of his death. So him and his son became co-regents, and you'll see more of that is mentioned in 2 Chronicles. So he dwelt in all in an isolated house, and Jothan, his, the king's son, was over the royal house judging the people of Israel. Why did he become a leper? I'm going to tell you why he became a leper. He overstepped his boundaries. God made him king. He took on the role of trying to be a priest. They said, no, don't try to offer sacrifices to the Lord. He goes in and offers sacrifices to the Lord. The Lord makes him a leper. He reigned for, 55, for 52 years. That's a long time to reign. Imagine having the president for 52 years. He reigned the second longest. You know, Manasseh reigned for 55 years. He started at 12 and he died at 67. He started at 16 and he reigned for 52 years. You know how long that is? 16? He got 16 and 52? It's a long time. And here we have him. He gets struck. God judges him for his unwillingness to listen to the counsel of godly men that was around him. You read 2 Kings chapter 26. I mean 2 Chronicles rather, chapter 26. You'll see what happened to him. We don't have time to read that now. But you'll see what happened to him. And he gets struck because of his pride. He becomes a leper. Then Jotham, his son, was over the house. And they were like co-regents. They reigned together until he died. And the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from his first to his last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote about it. 
You know, we know about them because of the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. He's talking about that man who was struck with leprosy. Could you imagine God tell you don't do something and you do it and you become a leper? Could you imagine if that was the case right now? We have a lot of good people in church. You don't do this, you won't be a leper. But if you do this, you will become a leper. Leprosy, one of the most feared, feared diseases in all of the whole entire Bible. The leper. His heart was lifted up with pride because he started believing his own press clippings. That's what happened to Uzziah. And wanted to take a position that was not rightfully his. You know, he was a king and not a priest. He tried to be a priest and he wasn't a priest. Many people in the church today want to be in a position that's not theirs. You know, because pride always say, I can do it better. You let me do it, I would do it way better. I got, you know, I got more talent. I'm more talented. That's why the Lord should use me. The, you know, the gifts of the spirits have nothing to do with our talents. If it is, I wouldn't be behind this pulpit tonight. I guarantee you that. I was a kid with a speech impediment. <laughs> how you doing? You know, that's how I talk. You know. Couldn't say fuel. I do, you know, still can't talk, but I do my best, you know. So talent has nothing to do with the gifts of the spirit. People get that mixed up. Just because you're a great orator at work or you can do great presentations at work and everybody clapping, that doesn't mean you're a Bible study, a Bible teacher. That doesn't mean that. That don't translate over that like that all the time. Sometimes it can, but it doesn't all the time. Talents and spiritual gifts are different. And it says in verse 6, now the rest of the acts of King Uzziah, this Ezariah, and all that he did, all they not written in the book of the Chronicles, of the kings of Judah, and they also written in the year that Isaiah was commissioned. He mentions that. And Azariah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the city of David. Then Jothan, I like that, his son reigned in his place. Notice, in the 30th year of Azariah, they go back and forth of Judah, Zechariah, and they're looking to the northern kingdom, He's the fourth generation of Jehu. So this is the end of Jehu's dynasty after this one. Zechariah, the son of Jeroboam, reigned of Israel and Samaria, notice, six months. Quick office, huh? Vote him in, you're out. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord as his father's done, had done. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin, then Shalom. This is a different person here. Son of Jabesh conspired against him and struck and killed him. Now he's talking about he's going to, this is Zechariah, he's killing, killed him in front of the people. This was done in a public place. And he reigned in his place. It's the end of Jehu's dynasty. Imagine an, an office for six months only to be a, a, abruptly assassinated. Now, the rest of the acts of Zechariah, indeed, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? This was the word of the Lord, which he spoke to Jehu, saying, Your sons shall sit on the house of Israel to the fourth generation. And this came, this was the fulfillment of it. And so it was, Shalom, the son of Jabesh, 
became king in the 39th year of Uzziah. Now they call him Uzziah. This is the same Ezariah that we already saw who's already dead. But the writer is going back and forth in the history. Uzziah, king of Judah, and he reigned a full month in Samaria. This is the second shortest reign in Israel, next to Zimri. One month. Zimri, who reigned for seven days. Here, Shalom reigned for four months, full month, 31 days, I guess. For, um, for Menahem, 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 which means comforter, who was the commander of the chief of the army of Jeroboam II, the son of, notice, Gedai, what a name, went up to Tezrar, came to Samaria, and struck Shalom, the son of Jebish, in Samaria, and killed him, and he reigned in this place. There's a lot of now this, these, these assassinations happening. You, like, so you didn't really want to be king now at this time. You know, your king, that's why you end up seeing with Nehemiah, they always trying to kill the king. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. So if the king got some iced tea, somebody, some old lady came up, we love you, king, we're going to make you some iced tea. And he said, Nehemiah, you taste that iced tea. Because we try to poison you. It says, now the rest of the acts of Shalom and the conspiracy which he led, indeed, are they not written in the book of Chron the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? Then from Tizra, Menahem attacked Tifsa, all who were there in his territory, because they did not surrender. Therefore, he attacked it. All the women, notice what he did, there who were with child, he ripped open. In other words, he ripped their bellies open with blades and pulled their babies out. Ruthless commander. In the 39th year of Ezariah, king of Judah, this is Uzziah. Manahem, the son of Gedai, became king of Israel and reigned ten years in Samaria. This is a wicked man. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not depart all his days from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. And look how God does things. Paul, this is Paul. So you know like the word, like Paul. Paul, the king of Assyria, came against the land and then Nahum gave Paul, he's so tough, but look, gave Paul a thousand talents of silver that his hand might not be with him to strengthen, that his hand might be with him to strengthen the kingdom under his control. Look who he's getting involved now. Instead of depending on the Lord, this murderous man, man Nahum, he hires this king known as, known as Paul, we know him in history to be Teglith Pelazar, Pelazar the third, who reigned from 745 to 727 BC. Assyrian, uh, he's considered one of the most most successful military commanders in the world, conquering most of the known world to the Assyrians before his death. Teglith Pelazar the third, he pays him, and Manam enacted the money from Israel, from all the very wealthy. So he taxed the wealthy people from each man's 50 shackles of, shackles of silver to give to the king of Syria. So the king of Syria turned back and did not stay there in the land. Now the rest of the acts of Manam and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel? We don't have that book in the Bible, the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. It's a separate, you know, account somewhere. We have the chronicles of the kings of Judah, but not the kings of Israel. 
So Manam reigned with his fathers. Then Pekah, which means higher, his son reigned in his place. In the 15th year of Azariah, king of Judah, Pekah, uh, Pekahiah, same person, higher, the son of Manam became king of Israel and Samaria. He reigned two years. See how short these northern kingdoms. This is coming to the end of the northern kingdom. And did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. Then Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, an officer of his, conspired against him and killed him in Samaria. I wouldn't want to be king. In the citadel of the king's house, along with Argob and Aria, and with him were 50 men of Gilead. He killed them and reigned in his place. Notice, now the rest of the acts of Pekaniah, Pekahiah, and all that he did, indeed are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the Kings of Israel. In the 52nd year of Uzziah, Azariah, king of Judah. They just comparing how long he reigned in comparison to how short the kings in the north reigned. The son of Ramalia became king of Israel and Samaria and reigned 20 years. This is Isaiah 6 again. And did even in the sight of the Lord, he did not depart from the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin in the days of Pekah, king of Israel, Teglath-Pelazer, that's his name, king of Syria, became, notice, and took Ijon, um, Abel, Beth, Maacah, Genoa, Kedesh, um, Hazar, Gilead, and Galilee, and all the land of Nephtali, and he carried them captive to Assyria. This is 733 BC. The next deportation which scatters all of the northern kingdom is going to be 722 BC, which will change history. Because in that time, Israel will be scattered. In that scattering, it will produce another group of people known to us as the Samaritans. Samaritans was half breeds, half Jewish, and half whatever else they were mixed with. All of us because of what? Sin. Then Hashia, the son of Eli, led a conspiracy against Pekah, the son of Ramalia, and struck and killed him. So he reigned in this place in the 20th year of Jothan, the son of Uzziah. Now the rest of the acts of Pekah, rather, and all that he did, indeed, they are written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel. In the second year of Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, you notice, king of Israel, Jothan, the son of Uzziah, king of Judah, began to reign. You know, look, the Bible tells us that the prophet Micah was on the scene as well during this time. How do we know that? Micah 1.1 says, the word of the Lord came to Micah of Morasheth. In the days of Jothan, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Judah. So he prophesied against the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And verse 33 says, he, this is Jothan, was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned 16 years, because some of those years was with his father in Jerusalem, his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. Now, maybe she was from a priestly line. They keep talking about their moms. 
And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did according to all that his father Uzziah had done. However, the high places were not removed. The people still sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. He built, notice, the, the upper gate of the house of the Lord. Now the rest of the acts of Jilted and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? Is Second Chronicles 27. There's more information. When you get home, go read it. In those days, notice, the Lord began to send Risen, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Ramalia, against Judah, the southern kingdom. So Jothan rested, notice, with his fathers and was buried, I like that, with his fathers in the city of David, his father. Notice, then Ahaz. This is interesting because Ahaz, when you read about Ahaz, it makes you understand something that is really important. Ahaz was the son of Jothan. Jothan's father was Uzziah. Uzziah's father was Amaziah. So that's how you learn out of all the kings. That's how Stan can memorize them all by heart. You know. yeah, but that's how you memorize all of them. You just start reading the kings. You start memorizing one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. They did good. They did what was right in the sight of the Lord. They did, they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. But Ahaz is a really interesting Bible character to me because he had more insight than anybody we would ever think of. And I just thought about this as we were reading. In Isaiah 7, it's interesting. It says, Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it, in, ask it either in the depth or in the highest above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. How are you testing the Lord when he asks you to ask? Then he said, hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It was Ahaz. This Ahaz is the one from Isaiah gives the prophecy about the virgin birth. And he didn't want it. God says, look, ask a blank check, just ask. He was so convoluted and such way down with sin, he didn't realize that the Lord still loved him enough to say, ask. And he should just say, Lord, forgive me of all my sins. But one of the greatest prophecies concerning Jesus Christ the Messiah, it would be given to this man, for she will have a vir a alma virgin, an untouched girl, will give birth to a baby. And her name would be Mary. Three miles from Gaffhefer was a town called Nazareth. A little peasant girl, their name was Mary. Mary. And Mary would give birth to the Messiah in the fullness of time God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born of a virgin. It would be Mary. And Ahaz was the king that God said, axe, axe. And he shows him that. And I'm sure he didn't understand that one thing because he lived in such, such darkness. Then Ahaz, who would be a wicked king, yet a very godly son he would produce, 
Ahaz's son reigned in his place. He was nothing like his father. He was nothing like his grandfather. This is the southern kingdom. It goes back and forth here. So usually when you read this, you got to have like a little map. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Northern kingdom, southern kingdom. Then he goes back into history, and everything is going along the side of Uzziah because he reigned for 52 years, and all these other kings, six months, one year, 10 years, 20 years. And he lasted all this long time when, look, godliness lasts longer than wickedness. We'll outlast the world. That don't mean we'll live longer in numbers of years, but we'll live a full life. A full life. The prophets, you see all these prophets in here? Jonah, Micah, Hosea, Amos, Isaiah. Don't say that God don't speak to you. I can't hear from the Lord. Read this. You read the Bible every day, and you say, Lord, here, my heart is open. Now, don't just read it like it's a magazine, you know. Read it, close it, say, I had my devotions today, I'm done. That's not how you read the Bible. You read the Bible, you pray. You say, Lord, listen, speak to my heart, Lord. Lord, what are you saying to me, Lord? Look at, my, look at me, woe is me, I'm an unclean man with unclean, unclean lips among unclean people. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Lord, I am done, I am, woe is me. Judgment belongs to me, Lord, but you're God of mercy. Your mercy is new every morning. None of us are good. Do you know that? There is none righteous, no, not one. But we have a good God who loves us without measure. And this grace is the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. And Christ died on that cross. He bled out for you and I. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. It's God's rich grace and mercy that we're not consumed. So why wouldn't you wake up in the morning and want to read the word of God? Why wouldn't you wake up in the morning and say, I want to hear from the Lord? It's a mystery to me, but I know one thing about the Bible. 